Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I am Blake Harrison and joining me as ever is Stu Whiffin. How you doing, mate? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm, I'm trying to uh, fake it. I mean, you, you, you know how this works because you're, you're an actor, but we've already recorded today's episode and uh, we've got to get oh, all excited you're telling about them. I know, I'm letting him have a little look behind the like, curtain today. You're like the masked magician, aren't you? You're just giving away all the secrets. <laughs> Oh, you! Um, the reason I'm saying it is because I'm dead excited because you're in for a treat. Um, we got to sit down with Ricky Simon, and uh, what a lovely lad! Lovely, lovely guy, Ricky Simon. Uh, yeah, had a phenomenal career. Is ranked 12th in the bantamweight division, which I believe is the most talent stacked division in the UFC. Damn right. Uh, he's on a four fight win streak, and he's scheduled to fight our our good friend, the lovely uh, undefeated Welshman Jack Shaw. So uh, there was a lot to speak about. Absolutely. Um, we, we talk about his career. We talk about um, what it was like fighting, you know, somebody like Uriah Faber uh, in Sacramento. And yeah, it was, uh, it, it, it was, it's a really good episode today. Um, before we get on with it, we'll, uh, we'll list some more names at the end of the podcast. But if it's your first time listening, welcome and thanks for joining us. Um, but you're late to the party and that's all right. You know, you, you, you're welcome. Come in. Take your shoes off, though. And uh, But let me just tell you, you've missed a lot. But it's all right, because it's all for free. You can go and catch up on that. We have spoke to a who's who of uh, of, of, of MMA. Uh, we spoke to some of the most famous UFC fighters on the planet, some of the best Bellator fighters, the cream of the, the cage warrior scene. Um, and we've spoke to people like James Arthur. We've spoke to Thomas Turgus, um, Steve, a Hollywood royalty like Stephen Dorff. Um, we've spoke to them. So we've, we've, we've got a huge back catalogue of, um, of wonderful interviews and, and life stories with some incredible fighters. Uh, so, so go check it out. And, uh, but not until you've listened to today's episode. Anything else we need to add? Oh, I think that's it. Ladies and gentlemen. Here's Ricky Simon. Uh, Ricky, Ricky Simon. how's How it doing? going? <laughs> this is in stereo. We we both ask our questions at exactly the same time. That's how this will work for the whole interview. Um, hey man, Ricky's 
it's great that um, you, you've given us some time today, and, uh, and we're going to we're going to jump straight in. And we always sort of start at the very beginning. And uh, and I want to ask you, Vicky, if you can tell me where it was that you was growing up, and and how you got into into mixed martial arts. Yeah, I grew up in um, Vancouver, Washington, um, and this was during a time when uh, Team Quest was like really blowing up right across the bridge in uh, Portland, Oregon. So uh, my dad and all my uncles would always be watching um, the UFC and Pride because, you know, they had, you know, Brandon Couture and like Matt Linland and Tim Sylvia and stuff like that. Some old school names um, over there at Team Quest. And I would go in, I might have been in elementary school and I went to a couple like wrestling classes over there at Team Quest and I ended up joining wrestling. And I think I think just I had always been interested in it. My My dad and my older brother had always watched it even though I thought those guys were like crazy. Um, I think I, it was like a, it was like a natural transition into fighting after like I was done wrestling, you know? What, what about confrontation, Ricky? Was you always like, did you, did you experience any of that uh, 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 as a young man? And, um, and was you comfortable with it? Oh, I loved it. I don't know. It, from, from, <laughs> from an early age. I don't know. Uh, I must've been like five or six. My parents bought my older brother's only 17 months older than me. And uh, they bought us boxing gloves and told us that if we ever got like mad at each other, that we could like fight each other. And I was like, that is a great way <laughs> to solve these uh, <laughs> problems. But, uh, and my older brother w- would whoop me. He whooped me every time I tried. Ever like, let's throw him on. Let's throw on the boxing gloves. He just beat me up. And then uh, I think it might have been like after maybe I hit like middle school or something like that, I like realized that I was getting a little bit bigger than him. And so I was able to hit him hard too. So I ended up getting him back. So I think that was it. I had I grew up with three other brothers, like three brothers total, and that's all we did. We wrestled and we fought and and we watched fighting. <laughs> I was kind of sort of directing that question more to like, tell me about when like you know you was out of your loving house and you was on the road and there was people on the street. But no, you had it all happening at home. You didn't even have to go outside to get a fight. You was just fighting <laughs> oh, no. daily with your brothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. And I actually have two cousins who are professional fighters as well. Vince Morales, he's in the UFC as a yeah. bantamweight, and then my cousin uh, John Simone, uh, he's fighting on Uriah Faber's. Um, I don't know what the car is called, but it's on the ultimate or it's on a fight pass. That'll be this Sunday. Um, this and he, weekend, and, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he, and he's he's killing. He's a monster. This guy's a lightweight. He's as shredded as you could be for a lightweight, and he works hard. and And um, I'm excited for him. So we we got plenty of fighting in the family. I didn't have to go far to find it. I had you a would quest- not want to be the drunk stranger turning up drunk at a Simon family barbecue, <laughs> would you? <laughs> I not had a place. question down here. I had a question down here that was like, were any of your family members worried about you taking on a career in MMA? But it sounds like they were perfectly happy with you doing it. <laughs> I mean, it probably seems so natural for them, like, or at least because they had been so used to me competing and, and that kind of stuff for, for the majority of my life. But, uh, I mean, my mom, of course, my mom is, she doesn't like to watch it. She supports me so much, but she doesn't, she doesn't like love that I, I get beat up for a living. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, going into your, your career, uh, as, as an MMA fighter, you, you were, you were undefeated as an amateur. You went seven and oh, I think it was as, as a pro before you, you had your first loss. And when, when you went into that fight with Anderson Dos Santos, did you, did you feel sort of invincible to to come from, as you say, you, you've been wrestling your whole life, phenomenal amateur career, 7-0 and as a pro. Did you 
did you feel kind of invincible going into that fight and how mentally did it impact you having like the first loss um you know i, I don't think i ever did feel like in, invincible even though i had like this great amateur yeah. record i even though it do, it doesn't show it on most of my profiles i must have had i, I must have like a nine or eleven amateur bouts um and, and i went undefeated through those and then um yeah but i've always been kind of like a, a realist especially when it comes to the sport like i know like it's very rare that someone goes unscathed in the sport as far as the record. And um, I don't know. And I was young. I was young. So I, maybe I was lacking a little bit of confidence. But, um, but I, I mean, I definitely it, it was definitely tough for me to have to get over that first one because there's so much riding on the line for that. For that uh, when, I, when I suffered that first loss, uh, it was for the Titan FC world title. Um, Titan came to my hometown. So I was in front of like all of my family and friends that I had growing up. And then um and then yeah it was my it was my first loss and i there was you know i i could have been signed to the ufc after that fight is what i was being told so it was a lot that had had happened like after that loss that i was like man it was a tough one for me but i mean i think it's like in this sport especially it's like how, how you bounce back absolutely and you seem to have done that on a couple of times in in your career and every time better than than the last like you you went into the uh Dana White contender series after getting a couple more wins after that, I think. And then, um, and you won your Dana White contender series fight, but unfortunately didn't get the contract. And it seems like that show on some level is slightly flawed because you get people that fight people that are quite a little bit below their skill level and they'll win quite easily and get the contract. But that doesn't mean that they're actually that great a fighter. And then you get people that might fight someone that's a really great fighter. These two people that are quite evenly matched and they have, a close fight someone wins the person that wins is is a really fantastic fighter you can see them having a great career in the UFC like what you've proven but they don't get the contract because they don't get that flashy knockout or something like that after that fight did you did you have any moments of feeling god is is this UFC moment going to happen for me was that was that tricky to come back from uh almost definitely because I I um I got to a point again once again where I was like this close to achieving my dream and then I won the fight, but it's not what they wanted at the time, and they didn't, they didn't give me the contract. Um, so I, I remember I, go, I went straight up to uh, the matchmaker after they had called the winners, and I asked uh, Sean Shelby, I asked him what, what he wants me to do, you know, because you know, I'm, I'm, I was prepared to do anything at that point. And he told me just to stay ready because I could be getting like a short notice call or, or jump back on the show or something like that. So. I don't know. I was I was a little defeated in the moment because you know once again I let I was so close and it didn't end up happening. But um, I don't know. I think it ended up being a great thing because I fought for the LFA World Title right after that. And I mean, I, I'm the more I look back on it, I, I'm grateful for the way the journey played out. You know. Yeah. Do do because as you say, you 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 won the LFA title and then defended it with a first round knockout after that. Do you feel like those experiences? actually were better for you. Like had, had you got the contract at Dana White Contender Series and gone into the UFC, the competition you would have thought might have been different. There might not have been as many eyes on you. Because, you know, when it when you're on the regional scenes and you're, you're the headline attraction, you're the champion, everyone's eyes are on you. That pressure is on you. And you can maybe learn more from that than you can when you're opening up, say, the fight past prelims, for example. And, you know, the audience is barely half there. 
do you, do you think in the long run that was actually better for you to have those experiences than maybe getting the contract early and going into the UFC straight away? I don't I mean, I, I, it's hard to say if it was better, but it was definitely uh, great for the experience. Um, in my head, in my mind, I was, I was ready to fight UFC level competition uh, already. And I, I mean, the guy I fought first for the LFA title was Chico Camus, who had eight fights in the UFC. His last loss was Henry Cejudo, and he was on like on a four or five fight win streak since being cut. And then I, I beat him in a five round in a five round fight, and then I still didn't get signed. And I had to prepare to defend my title. But so like I, I felt like I was ready to fight this kind of competition, yeah. but there was just something that wasn't clicking with between the UFC and myself as far as uh, maybe timing wasn't right or or something like that. So, but I mean, as far I mean, I just think that ex- you can't really beat the experience you get from fighting the a five round uh, fight like that, you know? Um, yeah. And then, and then the next one, it was a knockout in a minute. So it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, played too bad, I guess. Yeah. And what, when you achieve that dream, your dream, you've been wanting to fight in the UFC for so long, you get that call up, you're in the UFC, Bruce Buffer's there saying your name. What is that like? How nerve wracking is that when you've, spent so much of your life building to this moment and it's finally there you're in it can you are you clear-headed are you like no it's just a fight and i have to do what i've got to do or or are the nerves going to get to you in that moment yeah i mean it's it's definitely a lot it's definitely like uh it, it's that moment you you kind of been waiting for walking out to the audience you know you've been i, I fought in some grungy small shows you know <laughs> on my come up so then getting to walk out uh in, in, in a big fight. My first fight was in Atlantic City. My second fight was in Staples Center. Uh, you know, so I made some cool walks. Um, and yeah, I mean, the nerve, the nerves were definitely high. But uh, I mean, I, it, it definitely felt right. It definitely felt like it was time for, for me to make that step up and be fighting in the best organization. I, I know Blake wants to ask you about, about that fight. So I'll, I'll let him jump back in a sec. But just ahead of that walkout, I'm, I'm always curious and always like to ask fighters about their, their pre-walkout routine. You know, we've spoke to some fighters that that sleep, which blows my mind. Uh, and, and we speak to other fighters that headphones on music or, or they want to occupy themselves. They want to be chatting to people. Like, how do you make sense of it all before you make that walkout? What, have you got a specific routine, Ricky? Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I do, um, I'm very good with like my mobility and my stretching. So I get a good warm up. But I do, I do, I'm one of those kinds that like to sleep and meditate and just kind of chill out, chill my mind and then, once it's, you know, once we start hitting the heavy warm up, you know, I, I'm just totally focused and, uh, on the fight and, um, you know, those nerves usually hit, like, you know, you're waiting and they're in the back and then you could be, I, I swear one time I waited 10 minutes, I'm sitting there bouncing and they're like playing all these, they play like a tribute, they play this, they play that, they, and then they run the a commercial and then the highlights for the fight and to, to pump it up. And I'm like, dang, I, I, I warmed up for, you know, 30 minutes in the back and then I sat out here and bounce for 10 minutes. So sometimes that could be nerve wracking when you're waiting to make the walk. But once the, once the walk begins, I feel totally focused and, and I'm excited. Well, going back to that first fight, you were against uh, Marab Devalishvili, which is a win that's aged incredibly well. I mean, you look at where Marab is now and what he's looking like. Uh, the fact that you have a win over him is, is I think looks fantastic on your resume. It was it was such a strange ending to to the fight, though the fact that it 
did the fight seem to end and only then did the referee realise that Marab was out and that you had choked him out, that guillotine choke, you choked him out. Uh, in those moments, were you like, because you said to the camera, I won that fight. Were you, were you very sure at that point that, that that's what happened? Because it almost looked like, when I watched it back, it almost looked like during the takedown, you'd almost like Jake the Snake Roberts DDT'd him and he almost looked knocked out in that moment on the ground with a minute to go and seemed to come back round again, but then go out again. How was that in those moments? Did you think I've won my debut or did you think, oh no, this is going to get taken away from me? Yeah, it's a pretty good uh, breakdown right there. And, that, and that's how it felt. It, looked, it felt like he like went out on the drop and then uh, was going in and out, you know, and um, ultimately like when I like let go and I rolled, I like get off him, his eyes were like kind of rolled back. Even it, it was brief, I will say, and, and it was, you know, so weird, but what they didn't show on the cameras was the ref wave off the fight. You know, and there's a difference between like, you know, calling the round or, you know, stopping the round when it's over and waving off the fight. And when I saw him, the ref wave off the fight, you know, I'm like, I won. And then eventually after a few minutes, Rob gets up and starts doing his victory parade. So then I get started getting a little confused. And, <laughs> and so I had no idea. I had no idea what was going to happen, honestly. But um and I knew and I and I knew that fight was going to age well because that was only Rob's second fight in the UFC at the time. And uh, he kind of had like a, a um, another controversial loss to Frankie Signs, a close decision, I believe. And um, and, and I was like, I, I know we're going to meet up with each other again. I, I had a, I had a feeling. And after actually, actually after my last loss, or sorry, my last win, I thought that um, that was going to be the fight to make. I had like heard some rumblings from the UFC that they wanted to do that rematch. He hasn't lost since since he fought me. I think he's on a seven fight win streak or so. Yeah. And um, and. Um, if, I mean, I know I'm ranked a little bit uh, behind him, but I belong right up there with all those guys. I, and I know that I've had, I had that super close fight with Rob Font, and I beat Marab. And you know, I you know I'm I've won seven fights in the UFC with the, on a good streak now. So I feel like that fight would be a good one to to, to run back. But um, you know, maybe in the future. Absolutely. And one fighter you did fight was was. Uriah Faber, you so you 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 beat Marab, you beat two two fighters after that, Montel Jackson, and I, I can't remember who the other one uh, was now. I think, but you go on a, th- a three fight win streak in the UFC, and then you're you're paired up with Uriah Faber. That you know, I know he wasn't a strictly a UFC champion. I think he was a WEC champion though, wasn't he? And he was someone that you know, as a fan of the sport, I'm sure yourself and and me and Stu have like kind of watched him throughout his whole career and, and he's always been sort of a, a, a stalwart of, of the UFC and someone that, that people have, have looked up to for many, many years. When you're booked in a fight with someone like that, we spoke to Tom Aspinall uh, about this a while back and he spoke about when he was booked to fight Andre Arlovsky and how it, it's just a strange thing to go, this is a fighter that I've sort of grown up watching and been admiring and now they're going to be standing opposite me in the cage how was that in the preparation for the fight with Uriah did you ever did, was that ever on your mind like god I'm I'm fighting Uriah Faber or was it just another guy um I didn't really like have that probably until we were in the cage and I heard when we were in Sacramento and I could hear the set like the yeah. fans over there screaming I was like this is pretty crazy this is the craziest crowd I've ever been yeah. a part of so that 
that was when it hit me. But like I, leading up to the fight, I thought I was going to kill him. I thought I was going to like, I'm going to murder this man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I set a goal to be ranked in the top 15 my first year in the UFC. I was on a three-fight win streak. I had just beat Ronnie Yaya to get ranked. And, uh, and, I, and, that, and that was kind of, I had a moment with him. Like I'm fighting, because I used to watch Ronnie like WEC as well as, as Ryan Faber. And dude, I lead up to that fight. I had so many nightmares of him ripping off my limbs and stuff. I was like, man, I, I'm fighting Ronnie Yaya. <laughs> and so, so I thought I was, I thought I was the man. Like I just, you know, I called my shot. I was like 25, 26 and got ranked in the first year. And I was like, I'm going to kill your eye favor on his, on his comeback, you know, uh, fight. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, you get, you get humbled a lot in this sport for sure. Back to the, back to the drawing board. And like I said earlier, it's like, you get, you got to like come back and start winning fights to get over that, um, to get over that like nasty feeling of a loss, you know? You, you mentioned Uriah and, and, and you also mentioned earlier about, you know, your, your dad and that watching um, Randy and Tim Sylvia and stuff. Tell us a little bit about some of the fighters that were inspiring you as you was sort of coming through in the sport. Oh yeah. Uh, well, for sure. Randy Couture, like I love that he was a wrestler and a veteran and, and uh, he had some good hands too. Um, and I actually got to meet him when I was young. So that's probably why, you know, um, and then, uh, quickly, um, I would say like, uh, Evan Tanner was another big one, um, cause he's from the area. And then, um, Diego Sanchez, like, cause we watched the first season of the ultimate fighter and then, you know, he was, uh, Mexican American. So, uh, my family and I were big fans of him. So I was, and I love the energy. He was a crazy energy, you know? And I just, I, I felt, I felt, I felt that. <laughs> so those are a couple of guys that for sure, like early on that I was like, those were like my guys that they thought I was watching. Wonderful. Wonderful. You, you, you mentioned. Life is full of awesome. What ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs. That's why United healthcare provides health protector guard, fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. Plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There, like, um, when Uriah made the, the sort of ring walk and obviously, you know, Sacramento made some noise. I, I'm always interested to know that when, when you're fighting, if if you land a good shot uh, or you get a good position in the, in, in, you know, in the clinch, wherever, and, and the crowd react... Does that ever that roar of the crowd ever kind of filter through and and kind of make you think right I'm, that's it I've got to get the finish now the the, the crowd of roar does it does it ever sort of filter through into your mindset do you know do you know where I'm going with the question Yeah yeah no the the fans could definitely like 
can, can change the energy of a fight for sure. Um, but I think earlier on in my career, maybe something like that would affect me. Um, now I'm just, I'm too focused. I, I feel like in there, like I, I, I've made the mistake. My first loss was actually in my hometown. I was telling you guys, and I had just thrown something and the crowd went crazy. And then, you know, it, it definitely, it definitely got to me. I thought I had to do something else and then end up getting hit with something, you know? So, so I, 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 I've, I've learned from that a little bit, I think. And I think, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta like keep your cool in there a little bit better. Well, speak- and, and- go on, go on. Go, go for it, Blake. No, go on. Well, well, speaking of that, that focus you have now and, and, and what's going on now, you know, you're, you're currently on a four fight win streak in the UFC. You're, you're ranked 12th, I think it is. And, uh, you were talking about wanting a guy ranked in front of you to fight next. Understandably, you're on a four-fight win streak. But instead, as far as I'm aware, you're booked to fight uh, someone we've had on our show a few times, a Welshman undefeated by the name of, of, of Jack Shaw. Is it frustrating when you're looking for a, a fighter ahead of you to fight because obviously you want to progress and the contract comes through and it's a guy that's ranked behind you? Is, is that frustrating? Um. <clears throat> a, a little bit. I mean, I, I, I was under the impression I was going to fight maybe Marab or O'Malley next. That's kind of like the rumblings I had heard. But, and then I get this fight. So I'm a little, I was a little like, all right, well, it's a little bit different than what I was being told. But, but I mean, if I'm not one to argue and I'm not one really, I, I feel like I'm the best at this point And I feel like I should be able to beat th- this kid. Um, I, I think if you, if you compare our level of competition, I mean, I, I've fought much, much um, higher, higher level competition. And, and I think uh, I will be his toughest fight uh, to date. And I don't, and I don't think he could say the same for me. So um, at the end of the day, I was just like, uh, it's not what I had expected, but I love to fight. Um, my contract don't really change if I'm fighting the number six ring guy, if I'm fighting the number 14th ring guy. So I don't know. So I was just like, I'm, I'm down. I would love to put a one on this kid's record. He's, he's very talented. Uh, we have a very similar grappling style, especially against the, against the cage. And I'm always up to test my grappling against anybody. So I feel like, um, I feel like it's a good fight for me. So, uh, a, a little weird in the, I felt in the beginning, but, um, I, I, I don't really say no to fight. So I'm excited for this one. And it's taking place on, I think July 16th which is a week before the UFC is back in London. Did, was the, the 16th always the, the, the date that you were given, or was there ever potential for this fight happening in London? Yeah, it, um, there was potential for it to happen in London, but um, I'm, I'm the hiring guy, and I would like to pay less taxes, so... Jack can come over to the States and fight me. <laughs> is that how it works? Because I, I was going to say, because my next follow-up question was going to be, is it a case that you don't really want your opponent to have that kind of hometown advantage? But what you've just said there makes more practical sense, I suppose, in terms of the tax situation. So when you fight abroad, are you, you're paying more taxes because you're possibly paying taxes to British government and American government. Is that how it works? Um, in the past, um, yeah, but where I think uh, just maybe just the, I would be paying them abroad and the taxes they they take them like straight off, so um, it's quite a bit. And um, I mean, I, I would I would love to fight in London. It's you know that would that would also that would be great. But I just think in the circumstances and thinking about for myself and 
I, I decided to take the fight with the guy ranked behind me. And um, I just feel like it, it makes more sense for him to have to come to the U.S. and, and come to me. I, I'm I'm uh, cutting a bunch of weight and I have to go to, you know, closer to, you know, his area to, to fight him. Uh, um, I don't think so. I think he, he'd come this way. Yeah, that makes I mean, perfect sense. We, we, we've had Jack on a few times, and he's, he, you know, he's a, he's a lovely guy, and, and 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 you seem to be a great guy. And there seems to be lots of kind of respect, uh, you know, uh, around this fight. Um, a couple of questions, like, what are you expecting from Jack? Uh, and and secondly, the, the fact that you are both, you know, seem like nice guys that are very respectful. Do you ever get kind of well? We know that Jack doesn't from 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 this side of the pond, but do you ever get pulled into the sort of trash talk? And and does it interest you because you see so many fighters getting media and press because they talk shit? And like, does that ever sort of feel like something you'd you know you'd entertain? Um, I love to talk shit, but like it has to be organic. <laughs> yeah. It has to be organic, and and and, and you got to know why you're doing it. And I don't mind. I've done it. I've had some some banter back and forth with a couple of my opponents in the past, and um, I think it's part of it. And and really, like my brothers and I would fight for hours, and we'd be talking crap. My older brother would be beating me up for an hour, and then finally I'd reverse him, and then I would start talking crap to him, and I'd be beating him up for a little bit. And then, you know, that's that's kind of how it works. I mean. And we're, I mean, we're already fighting. We're already bashing each other in the face with knees and elbows. I mean, I don't think it's that bad if we, if we, um, if there's some banter back and forth, but it does get a little too crazy and it gets a little weird when it, it, it's not like, I don't know. I, I don't know, but I don't mind it. I, I don't mind it at, at the end of the day. And the fans seem to, uh, to um, like it and the fighters get rewarded for it. So it's kind of hot, you know, you, you think like, oh, it's, I hate when fighters act like this and stuff like that, but. And then the day that fighters who who are acting like that seem to be getting the better spots and the better pay. So who knows? <laughs> um, what are you expecting from Jack? Um, I mean, I'm expecting it all, really. I mean, he, he's well-rounded. I feel like he's good everywhere. Um, so I mean, I'm I'm expecting a tough fight for, from this from this young kid. I, I don't, you know, I'm getting to a point where, you know, I'm. I'm uh, a little over 10 years in the game and uh, I used to not really, I used to be the young buck fighting these older guys. And now I'm finally at an age, I'm 29 now I'm fighting guys, you know, younger than me. So um, I'm expecting a hungry, hungry kid for sure. 16 and oh, I remember what it was like to be undefeated as an amateur and undefeated as a pro, but you know, you, you start fighting higher competition and um, you know, you, you start finding out who you really are. Yeah. You're, you're not someone that, that, talks as you said you you any kind of trash talk you have is 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 organic and you're not someone that fakes that like some fighters do one thing you do have a lot of the time in, in your favor though is an iconic hairstyle and i'm looking at you now and i'm like firstly your hair looks lovely by the way it looks fabulous but i'm i'm missing the mullet aspect yeah. of here and i yeah. i know the mullet is gone and but i heard you in an interview saying that during some of the grappling exchanges at training you were having chunks of it sort of pulled out on the mat is is that true was that just happening in training did it ever get in the way during fights yeah i think i think so too um <clears throat> i think and my 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 management and my coaches kind of thought it might have played a factor in in some fights being closer than they should have been with my mullet kind of whipping around with me reacting and, and head movement sometimes yeah. it can make it look like um like the damage is more than what it is um 
there's that and then there's you know and and i was getting you know twice in one week i got a bunch ripped out in the, in some grappling sessions and then i try to cut it shorter and then i ended up just looking like amanda nunez so i was like all right i gotta just cut my hair all the way off because I, I have the same haircut right now <laughs> it was too short so um so yeah uh uh yeah i just I, i'm definitely gonna grow it back out because uh i love the mullet and uh, the fans seem to love it but uh i needed a break i needed a break for a little bit have a normal haircut for the wife <laughs> well, Fair enough. well we've got some we, we like to finish on some sort of some fun questions and we've got a few of them we don't want to take up too much of your time today ricky but i've just got one more on on, on the sort of lead up to a fight and i want to ask you about the stare down and you know is that all for the media or when you you're facing off do, are you drawing anything from that are you you know are you looking into their soul and and can you see if they don't fancy it or if they're you know they're they're, they're game as fuck like can you can you sort of what do you read from that? Um, yeah, I love it. I love the intensity of a uh, of a face off, and um, it's just like we both spent all this time getting prepared, and we made this weight, and then I kind of just want to see what you're about. You can tell a lot about someone's personality about when you get up there and, and face off with them, and I just like to stare right in their eyes and, and and try to you know just read whatever they're putting off. You know, some guys try to fake some stuff. Some guys are are real in the moment too, but. I mean, it's a perfect time to find out, and and, and I love it. I, I I love a face-off. Wonderful. One of the uh, things that's that's of real use to fighters is is social media. It can help raise, help raise your profile, get people interested in fights, all that stuff. But there's negative things about social media as well, whether it be trolls or just the fact that it's a time vacuum and you find yourself scrolling through shit you don't even really care about, but you're scrolling through it anyway. When... When you think about social media, do you see that as a positive or a negative thing for you? Definitely both. Definitely both. Like yeah. you're saying, like, like it's a great way for me to interact with the fans and for me to make extra money through sponsorships and stuff like that. But I mean, um, I, I'm experiencing the um, what is it? The uh, what are they calling them? The JSA, Jack Shore Army, maybe. Uh, <laughs> man. Get 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 out get out get off me, boys! Come on! <laughs> no, it seems like that happens every fight, and that's what I like. That's what I like about like uh, MMA fans, especially when you find someone from a different country. Every time I fought someone from a different country, it's it seems like a bunch of their people coming in with their flags or talking crap to me, yeah. and it doesn't really get to. I like it. I appreciate that kind of support. But uh, where's mine at, though, guys? Come on, where's the Pacific Northwest Army at? <laughs> Do you think because America is such a vast country and they've got so many gyms and so many people, and there's probably rivalries between states and all that kind of stuff, um, it doesn't feel like the American fighters get the backing that, like, when our, when like Jack Shaw, for example, or or maybe you had it with Marab and maybe the Georgian people, anything like that, when these these fighters from smaller countries or whatever, their their fans seem to back them so much, and they are on the fighters that they're uh, opposing in the, in their next fights. Is do do you feel like the American fans just don't have that kind of links to their fighters in the same way that fan that um, fans do when their fighters come from smaller countries? Yeah, I don't think it's even close either because you get a guy like uh, American fighter. You, uh, you know, fighting any, someone from a different country. A lot of the times, if you ask someone in the U.S., they're going for the guy for the, you know 
from the other country. So it's like, you know, we don't have that same support because they're just kind of, I think it is because it's so big and there's already so many rivalries. People just pick, you know, their, their fighters. However, they don't just stick with guys from, from, uh, you know, the U S unless it's, it does seem like if it's from their state, a lot of times they'll show love, but even then, even then I have guys from my own state pick against me. I know that. <laughs> Come on guys. Um, one more question. The division you're in, when I look through the different divisions uh, currently in the UFC, I would not want to be in your division right now. Like that is a stacked, stacked division of killers. Like, do you ever think of going up or down and thinking, do you know what? It might be a little bit easier in one of them divisions because where you're at right now, man, he's stacked with killers. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I own this division. I'm staying. I feel great here. I feel so strong. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm too big to be a flyweight, and I'm, and I'm too short to be a featherweight. So I'm, I'm a, I'm gonna stick with being the, the buff bantamweight. <laughs> but who, you're right. Who's exciting you in? Who's exciting you in that, in, in that division? Man, there's, the, I, I feel like we're, we're kind of hitting a point now where it's kind of like. Um, out with the old, in with the new, kind of. I feel like a lot, like you see a lot of these guys who've been at the top of the division for a while, kind of, kind of exiting now, and and you're getting the new blood kind of starting to take over the the top ten. You know, we're starting to see some shifts, um, and and so I, I don't know. I, I think obviously with some of these guys who came down to our weight class, like Frankie and Aldo, and, and you know, them trying to figure out the top with like TJ coming back. I, I just feel like it's. It's a lot of excitement and a lot of talent, but I still think some of these guys are getting old. You know, mid to late thirties, it's almost it's almost time to start start getting out of there. You know, so um, I think I think in the next year or two, there's going to be a big shift. But um, but I, 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 like I said, like, there's, there's there's plenty there's plenty of uh, uh, good fights to be made right now. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I do think bantamweight is the most exciting right. division in the UFC for sure. It is absolutely so yeah. talent stacked, and and you're a huge part of that, and. One of the other things I'd like to ask you is, do you know, what, what do you do for fun outside of training? What's your, I can see, I think you're sat in like some kind of souped up gaming chair there. You big gamer. Like what's, what's, what's your thing yeah. that you do for fun outside of training? Oh man. Um, yeah. Gaming is definitely one. I'm working with this uh, company dropping gaming and they, they set up some tournaments and stuff like that. I'm trying to get some things going with them. They hooked me up with a sick uh, gaming setup. So um, I can, but I suck though. I'm not very good. All my brothers kill it. They're so good. And I just like play with them and have them carry me because I'm not very good. <laughs> but uh, man, um, that um, my uh, my older brother was a, a marine, so we uh, we we enjoy to go uh, go shooting. Um, I've I've been I've been hunting and I and I would like to go some more and actually catch something. But and we, we're, the Pacific Northwest is known for its hikes, so we definitely go on a lot of hikes, try to get outdoors and stuff when the weather permits. Definitely because <laughs> it rains a lot out here. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's really it. I mean, I train six days a week. I don't think I've ever really taken, even like if I'm traveling, I'm, I'm setting up training outside. So, um, besides, besides those things, I mean, I, if I'm at a camp, I love to find a nice restaurant and some nice beer, some nice coffee in the morning, something like that. If I'm, especially if I'm traveling, that's something I never really got to do, um, you know, growing up and before my fight career was, was to travel. So that's something I love to do. Well, that leads me on to what, when the fight's over, the cuts have been done and all that, what's the go-to meal? What's the thing you're like, I can't wait to have a, whatever it is, 
Oh man, uh, just to go. I think just because we're we're cutting our calories so much, the carbs are down. I'm I'm skinny. You gotta be so. I gotta be so skinny to make 135 pounds. Um, you know, so it's a tough. I always say no man should weigh 135 pounds. And uh, so I, my favorite thing is just to go to a nice restaurant. Uh, usually with the team right after the fight, we go to a nice restaurant and and just kind of do it up, you know. And I and I just stuff my fat face and. And that, that's it. <laughs> Is it just anything, anything specific that you're really craving or just, just anything? Uh, usually probably I find some, some like nice, like handmade pasta or maybe like a dry aged steak. I'm bougie these days. I never. <laughs> yeah, it's well bougie. A lot of people, a lot of people are just like, oh, Let's pizza, go. like Domino's <laughs> pizza or anything like that. You're uh, going for the steak no, and the, the, the nice pasta and stuff. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> If I'm gonna if I'm gonna if I'm gonna use these calories, I'm gonna I'm gonna use them well. So I I don't really I don't really like to just eat like a you know a a, a pizza or or a cheeseburger. It has to, I don't know if I'm gonna cheat, it has to be worth it. Well, I love it. I think that's a new nickname, Ricky Bougie Simone. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> Especially with the new hair well, as well. You, yeah. you know, you could go yeah. proper Wolf of Wall Street with that style. Yeah. People, people don't expect that from a mullet. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You've taken us by surprise. Ricky, I've got one more question for you. And uh, in, in a parallel universe, you could fight any fighter from the past. Who would you like to have fought? Oh, from the past. Huh. Um, Miguel Torres, because then we can nice. we can settle it. We can settle it with the mullet. <laughs> <laughs> nice, one. Ricky. It's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for giving us your time, and we wish you all the best for the future, mate. Thank you so much. Thanks yeah, for, Ricky. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. That was a blast. Thank you. There we go, Ricky Simon mulletless Ricky Simon, which I was, I was slightly disappointed about, but now he's bougie Ricky Simon, which I'm all on board with. I am so on board with Ricky Bougie Simon. That needs to be a new nickname. Oh, I would tell love you that. What, Ian Gary, if you're listening, you need to up your game, mate. Skittles? Skittles. That guy's fine dining. <laughs> <laughs> Gary's letting himself down. That's great, though. I mean, look, it's, it's so difficult when because we had, I had this a bit with Dan Hooker. Because obviously, I love Dan as well. But like, when they're when you're interviewing someone, and and Ricky was such a nice bloke, gave us his time, really lovely guy. But and then they're fighting someone else that you've interviewed a couple of times, who's a really lovely guy, and Jack Shaw, and you're like, oh, I'm a, I'm a British MMA fan, of course. Yeah. I'm supporting I'm supporting Jack and I want to see Jack do well but you can't help but go oh, Ricky's a really lovely guy I want to see him do well as well um, you seem very quiet about your involvement in the Jack Shore army when Ricky was talking about <laughs> the uh, grief he was getting online <laughs> can you can you imagine that if it was just me just giving it to him with J- hashtag JSA um, but yeah oh man no it was really lovely chatting to Ricky and he's had a really great career and he, he said he's, he's suffered setbacks as we spoke about every time got over that setback whether it be his first loss uh, winning on the Dana White Contender Series but not getting the contract then he loses to Uriah Faber he loses to Rob Font but then he comes back again now he's on a four fight win streak and he really is brilliant he really really is a, a brilliant fighter that I can see being 
at very least, a, a regular, regular part of that top 10 in the Bantamweight. At the very least, if not top five, and maybe going on even further. I mean, the Bantamweight, you just never know with Bantamweight. It's so stacked. We've said this before on the show. Yeah. Sterling, Yarn, Dillashaw, Cheetashaw, whatever you want to call him. Um, you know, Aldo, Cruz... Jack Shaw, uh, Pedro Munio, Sean O'Malley. I mean, the list goes on and on. Rob Font, Marab Devalishvili. It's such a talent-stacked division that you just never know which fighter is going to go on that three-fight win streak like within that kind of top 10, yeah. top 15. And that's it. Then they, they might be getting a title shot after that. Um, so, yeah, but um, Ricky's very, very, very talented. Phenomenal wrestler. And then most recently knocked out Rafael Sunsal. So he's got power in his hand. So... Jack has got a lot to deal with and I think Ricky said that you know he will be the toughest fight on Jack's resume but Jack won't necessarily be the toughest fight on his resume I mean obviously that's something we'll have to wait and see in terms of Jack's trajectory and where Jack gets to in his career but when you look at both resumes at the moment, you'd have to agree with Ricky. Ricky's four on paper. On, on paper, paper, yes. That's what I'm saying. But Ricky did also was respectful in in, in so far as saying, um, you know, but you've got to be, you know, you have to give the guy. He's the hungry kid, you yep. know. He's on the tower, like, and you know, he's the new kid on the block, and his records great. And like, you know, you watch Jack fight. You wouldn't want a bit of that, and uh, but yeah, on paper, of course, like um, Ricky's record uh, has, has got more recognisable names on it. But yeah, it's uh, it, it makes for a, a, a great fight, and uh, it's one of those fights I kind of don't want <laughs> because yeah. I just I think both of them could. It's like, I don't know. I I feel like you can wait a little bit. Like there's people like Pedro Munoz and Frankie Edgar and Dominic Cruz in those kind of top 10 spots and I think you could easily give Jack and Ricky people like that to get them in potentially into the top 10 and then have them fight each other you know but uh, but either way I think it'll be a cracking fight I do I, I think both Jack and Ricky are phenomenal obviously we we're British we want to see Jack get the win but you know we, we really like Ricky as well. It's, it's, it's always yeah. tough when you get two fighters that yeah. you've interviewed, have given you your time and have been great, and then they're, they're going to compete. Yeah, absolutely. I was really hoping at the end of the interview you were going to take that T-shirt off and just show him your Jack, Jack Shaw Army tattoo. I was really hoping you were <laughs> scrolled right across your chest. Just slammed your laptop shut. I'm out of here. <laughs> Back to the valleys. Um, yeah, oh, it was it was great, and, and what a lovely lad giving up his time to come on and, and chat to us. Um, if uh, if you like listening to us uh, interview fighters, and this was your first time listening, go check out the back catalogue because, as we've mentioned, we've had the lovely uh, Jack Tankshaw on um, a few times now. Um, other great Welsh fighters, Brett Johns, Oban Elliott, who's fighting this evening um, in Cage Warriors Colchester, um, and Brett's been Brett Johns has been announced for an upcoming fight in Bellator. He's, uh, his yes. fight got announced yesterday, I believe. James Gallagher. Uh, he's fighting James Gallagher, isn't that's he? That's right. That's right. In I, Bellator Dublin? De Bellator Dublin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you say Oban Elliott's fighting tonight. This isn't going out today. <laughs> so that fight has been and gotten. 
Yeah, I don't know why I said that. Yeah, I need to understand the concept of the pre-record. You think after recording about 7,000 podcasts, I probably should have got the yeah. concept, but uh, no, no. I'm getting old, mate. I'm yeah. getting old. One of the other things um, that's been announced today is Paddy Pimblett is fighting Jordan Levitt. I think he was scheduled to fight someone else, or at least the rumour was he's going to fight someone else. But Jordan Levitt has got the call to fight uh, Paddy Pimblett at UFC London. So there you go. That's a switch. It wasn't meant to be fighting him. I think you're right. Who was he down to fight? I think Otman Azayatar at one point. That's, was that was it. The, uh, yeah. But now it's it's Jordan Levitt is, is the guy. And Jordan Levitt is um, he's a good fighter and he's um, he's the guy that a while ago he got a win and did like the dirty dancing lift with his corner, which is really funny. <laughs> and he's quite a good dancer, Jordan Levitt. I quite like him actually, but uh, obviously again. We've got to support Paddy because he's British. Yeah, um, of course. But, of course. Uh, yeah, but there you go. So there's some more news going on for you there. But as Stu was saying, check out the back catalogue. We've got interviews with Michael Bisping, Dan Hardy, Alexander Volkanovsky, Tyron Woodley, Mark Goddard, Angela Hill. The list goes on and on and on. Pick your favourite fighter. Paddy Pimblett, Molly McCann, Ian Gary. And as I always say, the first interviews with these fighters are the more in-depth ones, a bit like what you've listened to just now with Ricky Simone. But then sometimes we get to have these fighters on again and it's more just kind of where they are currently so if you really yeah. want to know about Paddy about Molly about Ian Gary and about all these Tom other Aspinall. guys Tom Aspinall Paul check, Craig yeah Paul Craig check out the first time we've interviewed them the first time their name comes up in the uh, in the back catalogue pa- cat- I can't speak back catalogue of interviews you'd think <laughs> yeah. I talked for my money um, and um, yeah there you go check those out lovely we're back next time right We're back next time. Catch you later, guys. Bye.